Good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. It's been a great morning already, hasn't it? Come on, it's been, it's been good today so far. So uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Tyson. I have the joy of being one of the pastors here on the team here at Callwood Church. And over the past month, there has been one soundtrack that has been on in our household pretty consistently. I don't think a day has gone by without it being on at some point. And the album is the soundtrack to Disney's movie Encanto. Any parents know what I'm talking about in the room? Do we have any Disney lovers in the room this morning? That's right. One song from this, this soundtrack specifically has already broken records and it's already reached the top of the charts. I heard someone mention it. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> when that song comes on, my son just automatically starts shaking his head. <laughs> but that's enough singing from me this morning. I think the most embarrassing part is that our son is not even old enough to ask for it or want to watch the movie. Our love for this soundtrack is all on Lindsay and I. It's just us. (laughs) One of the themes in this movie, Encanto, that's so important and so impactful is the idea of family roles and family dynamics. The movie is centered around this Colombian family, the Madrigals. And years earlier, the matriarch of the family, Abuela, was gifted this candle that gave the family unique and special gifts that they could use to bless others in the town that they are in. And throughout the movie, there are moments where we get to see the roles that the different characters play and the gifts that the different characters have. There's the main character, Maribel, who is the only one in the family who doesn't have a special gift. And we follow her journey in trying to understand how she fits into this family where everyone else has a special and unique gift. They're her older sisters, Isabella and Louisa, one of which is the perfect golden child who can at will make flowers and plants grow. And the other one is her stronger older sister who's physically super strong. And there are other family members as well, each with their own unique gifts. And as we watched the movie, one of the things that struck me and stood out to me, especially for being a kid's movie, was the powerful example of looking at how our families have such an ability to shape the people that we are today. Each of these three sisters I mentioned a minute ago has their own song in the movie. Maribel's trying to figure out and to come to terms with the fact that she is in a family of gifted people, but she doesn't have a gift. Isabella, the perfect golden child, while everything may look good on the outside, she has only been living up to other people's expectations of what she's supposed to be and what she's supposed to look like. And as a result, she hasn't shared some of the things that she feels inside because she wants to uphold that image. And Louisa, the stronger older sister, isn't sure if she has any value or any worth unless she's helping and contributing, staying strong for her whole family. Do any of these characters resonate with you today? We don't have to put our hands up or anything. But Encanto does an incredible job of examining the powerful role that our family can have in shaping who we are as individuals. For each of us today, we are born into a particular family in a particular moment in time, into a particular location. And God has chosen to allow this to happen in our lives to shape us in specific ways. With these unique families and histories that we've been born into and raised in, each of us has been given certain opportunities, privileges, and gifts that we would not have been given if we were born into a different situation. The situation that we were born in and raised in has also handed us a certain amount of emotional baggage as we journey through life. The picture that I get is kind of like putting on a gigantic backpack. I put way too many heavy commentary books in the back of this one so it would be authentic for you this morning to see. 
the emotional baggage that we carry throughout our lives has been given to us by the families that we were raised in and the cultures that we were raised in. For some of us, we have had very little say. You don't get to choose which family you're born into. You don't get to choose what setting you're born into, whether you're born into a family with two loving parents who care for you or a family with broken situations and there's abuse. We don't get to choose whether we're born into poverty or into a wealthy family. We don't get to choose the family or situation that we are born into. And for some of us, the emotional baggage load that we carry in our backpacks, it might be minimal. It doesn't slow us down all that much. But for others, this load is heavy and it weighs us down. In fact, some of us are so accustomed to walking with this weight in our bags that we wonder if it will ever be different for us. For each of us today, a mark of growing in maturity and into emotionally healthy disciples is to stop and to take a look at what's in our backpacks and how it may be hindering our ability to follow Jesus to, and love God and love others well and more fully. When we come to Jesus and say yes to following him, each one of us comes with a backpack of things that we carry from our pasts, from our family of origin, and from the cultures that we grew up in. And part of our job and our journey is looking at what's in our bag, how it has formed us and shaped us. The families that we come from have given us a culture, the culture of Canada that we've been raised in for many of us, or whatever culture you've been raised in, has given you certain values and cultures, cult, uh, cultural influences in your lives. And at times when we step into this new family of Jesus and into following Jesus, those family cultures and the culture that you grew up in and were raised in is at odds with the family of Jesus' culture. At odds with the kingdom culture. At odds with the values that Jesus has encouraged us and given to us. And so today, if we want to love God and others more fully, we need to look at how we have been formed and see if it aligns with Jesus' kingdom culture. And where it doesn't, we are invited to lovingly shed those false selves, to shed those things that do not align with Jesus and his kingdom. Throughout this series so far, we've looked at Ephesians chapter 4, specifically verses 20 to 24, and it says this once again. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Jesus, about Christ, and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness." If there's one place that has an incredible pull on who we are today, both for better and for worse, it is the family and culture that we grew up in. It profoundly shapes who we are today. And if we want to move forward into being the people of God, men and women, boys and girls who love him and love others well, we need to go back in order to go forward. It's time for us to unpack our backpacks lovingly with Jesus to take them off and to ask God to show us what we are carrying around so that we can love him and love others more fully and step into this new family of Jesus that we've been given. Now, you might be wondering, why do we need to do this? Why is this such a big deal? Why does it matter that we have to go back in order to go forward? Why does it matter that we look back 
Pastor Tyson, I've looked into my family's dysfunction. I'm not really interested in going back there. I've kind of made workarounds that I don't have to think too much about my past and worry about it that much anymore. The problem, though, is that if we do not look at the sinful patterns of our family and seek to be healed from them, we will likely continue to transmit or to perpetuate them into the generations that come. What has been modeled for us or taught to us by our parents or caregivers is often unknowingly being lived out in our lives and in our stories. And scripture is filled with plenty of examples of this. Back near the beginning of the Bible, we see Abraham. And Abraham, in a couple moments where he's under pressure, lies that Sarah is not actually his wife. He says, no, Sarah's not my wife. And and he lies about this. And it ends up causing problems for the people that he lies to. Well, you fast forward a generation and Isaac, the son, goes on and he follows, he's not even original, he follows the exact same lie about his wife at one point. Says, she's not my wife. Well, you go another generation down and Isaac has a son named Jacob and in scripture, he's actually nicknamed the deceiver. Talk about a nickname, who's signing up for that one? (laughs) Lying goes from generation to generation to generation to the point by the third generation, he's being nicknamed the deceiver. And lying isn't the only issue that this family passes on from generation to generation. There's favoritism all throughout this family tree. In Abraham's story, him and Sarah can't have a child. And so they, Sarah has the idea to force their servant, Hagar, to sleep with Abraham to produce an offspring for, for Abraham. And Abraham and Hagar finally do this and, and they have Ishmael. But Ishmael ends up not being the favored or chosen child because God blesses Sarah and gives them Isaac. And so Isaac becomes the favored child and they kick Ishmael out of the household and kick Hagar out of the household. You go to Isaac's generation. Isaac marries Rebekah and they have two sons named Esau and Jacob. And Isaac favors Esau while Rebekah the mother favors Jacob. And Rebekah and Jacob work to steal the birthright of Esau the firstborn. Jacob goes on to have 12 sons of his own, and he continues to play favorites with his kids. One of his sons is named Joseph, and maybe you've heard of his Technicolor dream coat. Joseph is given this coat that marks him as the favorite child of the 12. And what do his brothers do when they see that he is the favorite child? They sell him into slavery. Maybe a bit of an overreaction. I'll leave that up to you. Joseph was a bit of a punk when he was younger. But the good news is that we serve a gracious God and a redeeming God that even though there's this generation after generation of favoritism, God takes it and redeems it to save not only Jacob's family, not only all of Joseph's brothers, but an entire nation in the middle of a drought. God is gracious and forgiving, but time and time again in, in scripture, we see this pattern. Sin and unhealthy things in one generation will inevitably cause problems, not just for those individuals, but for individuals and generations to come. Our family sin patterns can have devastating power and effects, and maybe you've experienced this. People who grow up in abusive households vow to never become like their parents, but maybe end up as abusers themselves. Children of alcoholics saying they're never going to drink like mom or dad, only to get caught up in the cycle of addiction. Families who deal with conflict by cutting off members of the family and not talking to them anymore. And it continues generation after generation because that's how the family has modeled dealing with conflict. 
We see our parents or our caregivers model behaviors, patterns, and habits, and we end up living out those same patterns in our own lives without realizing it. Now, not all of these patterns are bad. Some of them can be quite good. Just the other day, I was texting my brother and we were laughing about how we're both becoming my dad. <laughs> the other day, my, my son was getting ready for bath time and unconsciously, without even thinking about it, I sang the song that my dad sang to us when it was bath time growing up. Do, 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 it's bath time. <laughs> it's a little riff on MC Hammer for you there. We have these patterns that have been ingrained in us and handed down, and some of them aren't bad, but other times these patterns, habits, and behaviors that we end up carrying in our backpacks are less helpful. And they hinder us, and not only the us, but those who our lives touch. This isn't just for parents today. This isn't just for people who are married and have kids today. Our lives affect and touch other people, and we leave legacies based on the others that our lives come into contact with that last for future generations. And this is where we need to get to unpacking our backpacks and taking a look at the things that we need to process so that we don't transmit or pass on the same challenges, problems, and sins that we have been given to carry. Pastor Rich Villadas, uh, out of a church in New York, gives three things that we can unpack as we look back on our lives. The first is patterns. These are repeated behaviors, practices, or ways of thinking that extend from one generation to the next. As we've already talked about, the battles that each one of us face are not necessarily new. If you were to take a step back and look at your family tree, you would notice that there are some things that have gone on from generation to generation. There are things that if you look back and go, our family has always struggled with money, or our family has always struggled with sexual sin in this area. If you were to be honest and to take a step back, you would notice that this is not a new struggle in your generation. And I've found in my own life and in the lives of people that I come into contact with, a light can go on when we experience our troubles, our problems as not just being our own, but as being something that has gone on for maybe generations in our lives. Are there any patterns that you would notice in your own life that you'd look at and go, maybe this is something that I need to give to God and break off right now? The second thing that we can see in our bags that can weigh us down are the traumas in our lives. Now, in talking about trauma, we are talking about two sides of the same coin. First is getting what I didn't deserve or not getting what I did deserve. Not getting what I did deserve might look like your parents weren't abusive to you, but they were workaholics, and so they weren't present in your story. They weren't there to encourage you, to lift you up. And as a result, you were constantly looking maybe for affirmation from somebody or anybody else to notice you and to see you. You didn't get the love that you deserved and that, that trauma has shaped you or formed you today. When we talk about trauma, this can automatically cause some people to discount themselves and say, I don't have any major earthquake moments or traumatic events in my family. But this is about paying attention not only to just obvious dysfunction, but underlying traumas that have shaped us. Other traumas are getting things that you did not deserve, like being in an abusive situation or experiencing a painful loss. Trauma can come from both getting what you do not deserve or from getting what you do deserve, not getting what you do deserve. Are there any traumas in your story that maybe are holding you back, weighing you down? earthquake events in your family's history that if you would look back have marked you and shaped you into the person that you are today and not in a helpful way. The third thing that we can see in our bags at times are scripts. 
These are the messages that we've received, the roles that we've been given, and the ways that we believe we must live that have consciously been handed to us or subconsciously been interpreted by us. To go back to where we started today with Encanto, each one of those three sisters that I mentioned had been given scripts. Louise's script was, you are the strong sister. You cannot crack under pressure. You have to hold it together and stay strong for this family. Isabella was the perfect one who always had to live up to the expectations of others and the image that they had of her in their minds. While Mirabelle didn't have a gift, so she was seen by some in the family as less important and kind of in the way to the rest of those family members who have gifts. Each of the sisters had a script that they'd either been consciously handed or had subconsciously been absorbed by them. Scripts can come from big moments in our lives or from a steady accumulation of smaller moments. It might be a big moment like your family being torn apart by a divorce, or it could be that every time you fell down and got hurt, your caregiver said, get up, we don't cry in this family. Scripts can come both consciously being handed to us or subconsciously being absorbed by us. And we have all been handed scripts, both ones that we are aware of and that are explicitly stated, and also the ones that kind of have seeped into us over the years. Patterns, traumas, and scripts can all be heavy weights that we carry in our backpacks that can hinder us as we seek to follow Jesus and love others and God well. One of the lines from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality that Pastor Pete Scazzaro often uses is, Jesus might live in your heart, but Grandpa lives in your bones. <laughs> to put in the language that we're talking about with our backpack today, Jesus might be in your heart, but Grandpa's handed you some things for your backpack that you're going to carry around. Now you might be wondering, how on earth do I become aware of these patterns, the traumas and scripts that have been given to me? Wouldn't it be so much nicer if you were aware of them? Wouldn't it be so much nicer if you could just have it laid out for you? Yes, my parents did not give me the love that I had wanted when I was a child and needed so that I would grow. And so now I constantly am trying to prove myself to other people. And I am consistently looking for affirmation. And that's why I brag about all of my achievements. Wouldn't it be nice if it was just laid out like that? Because then you could work through it. You could process it. You could dig into it because it's just laid out like that. But for most of us, our scripts, our patterns, and our traumas are not just nicely laid out for us like that. It's more likely that we're unaware of what's going on and unconsciously living out these patterns, scripts, and traumas until someone or something causes us to see them. It's kind of like when you're getting into a car. Have you ever gotten into a car and seen a light flashing on the dashboard before? Have you ever seen something that you go, what is that? Now let me ask you, what is your approach to that? Do you stick a little piece of tape on it and keep driving? (laughs) Some people, that's their answer, yes. When you hear a thumping or a thud going on in your car, do you just turn the music up louder? Again, some yes. (laughs) When we are driving our cars and we notice a light on our dash trying to tell us something is wrong or we hear a sound that doesn't quite sound right, we have a choice to how we will respond in that moment. We can try to ignore the light and put a piece of tape over it or we can pull over to the side of the road and see what the underlying problem might be before we end up stuck with a car that does not work. So to help you try and discern some patterns, scripts, and traumas that may cause underlying problems, here are a few check engine lights for us to pay attention to for our souls. The first check engine light is strong emotions. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you, react, you had a strong emotional reaction to something? 
Someone said something at, at work. Your boss said you didn't do a good job on something, and instead of kind of taking it in stride and, and going, okay, I gotta change something, you're deeply angry or you're deeply hurt and sad by it. Have you ever had a moment where you responded so strongly to, a, to, this, to this thing or that someone did or said in your story and it made you deeply angry or deeply sad or fearful? And when we find ourselves feeling something so strongly, it can often be a dashboard light for us and an invitation to look deeper and see if there's something else maybe tied to this emotion that we are feeling. To ask, why am I reacting so strongly? Why am I so hurt? Or why am I so angry by what this other person did or said? A helpful exercise that I use to process through these kind of feelings and emotions is something I just call check the dials. And it's an exercise that I borrowed from another pastor named Daryl Johnson, and it's pretty simple. On a piece of paper or in my journal, I just write down five words. It's angry, sad, joyful, longing, and make sure I get the last one, fearful. And I process with God and go, God, is there anything that I'm really sad about right now? Is there something that I'm really angry about? Is there something that I'm anxious and worried about? Anxiety could be its whole own category of a dashboard light because the things that make us anxious, the situations or the people that make us anxious can often be an underlying symptom that can show us that we have something to process there. And at the end of working through those five words, I just write down the word sensing. What am I sensing that God might be speaking to me through these emotions? What might God be trying to show me through this anger? And if you do this over a period of time, you can see the patterns that emerge. I've been angry about this for weeks. (laughs) I've been afraid of this situation or this person for months. And it's an invitation to God when we slow down and when we check the dials to examine our emotions and see if there maybe is a pattern, a script, or a trauma that we need to process and work through in that moment. When we feel deeply or strongly about something, there may be the something that God is inviting us to process there. The second check engine light or dashboard light for our souls is strong reactions. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where your reaction surprised you or surprised somebody else? You're driving along the road and someone cuts you off and instead of letting it go, you follow that person right on their bumper laying on the horn, and maybe you even used your tall finger towards them. Get there? Okay, there we're good. No one in our church would do that though, right? Our reactions are an important piece of data and revelation for our lives and can show us where there may be scripts and patterns and traumas lurking beneath the surface. Pastor Rich Villadas, who we mentioned a moment ago, says this, in the examination of our reactions, we live from a place of depth, wisdom, and discernment. How many people want to live from a place of depth, wisdom, and discernment? Anybody else? I want to live from a place of depth, wisdom, and discernment that processes through why did I react so strongly when my boss said that to me? Why did I react so strongly when my friend or my spouse said that thing to me? When we stop and take a look at why we react a certain way in a situation, it can teach us a great deal. And Pastor Rich goes on to offer a few questions that can help us process our strong reactions. The five questions are this. What happened? What am I feeling? What is the story that I'm telling myself? What does the gospel say? 
And what is the counter-instinctual action that's needed? By that, he means what is the thing that when I get through to the list of processing through the story that I'm telling myself, processing through what God's word says about it, what is the thing that maybe I maybe don't feel like doing, but I know that I need to do? Like forgiving that person who hurt you. Like engaging in a conversation that you feel like running away from. What is the thing that tugs against you, but you know you need to do it to follow Jesus and to step into this new life that he's given you? Our strong emotions and our strong reactions can serve as dashboard lights for us to pay attention to so that we can see patterns, scripts, and traumas that may be affecting our lives today. For us to move forward into being people who love God and love others more and more, people who are transformed to look more like Jesus, we need to go back so that we can go forward. And as we said earlier, as we look in our backpacks, we get to see like the Ephesians 4 languages, the old self that still wants to hang on to us today. And we lovingly take off that old self and step into the new life and the new self that God has for us in his family. This week as I was reflecting on this message that I knew that I was going to get here today to deliver, I was processing the legacies that I've been given from my family legacies and histories that are great in many ways and ones that I have to maybe shed and unlearn in other areas so that I can follow Jesus more fully. My son just turned one this week. It's a big day in the Stair household. And I'm more aware than ever of the things in my backpack that I may be handing on to my son. I'm more aware than ever that if I don't have those things transformed in my heart and in my life, I may pass them on to Bo, and I don't want to do that. I can already see personality and characteristic traits in him at one years old that remind me of myself, and that terrifies me sometimes. (laughs) He is so strong in all ways, strong-willed, and I already have to parent myself in that way, let alone parenting someone else. And while I've been thinking about what I'm passing along, I've also been thinking about the legacies that I've been handed. This uh, ring this morning that's on my pinky finger belonged to my grandpa Dale. And my grandpa Dale was my mom's dad, and he passed away before I was born. But that didn't stop him from leaving a legacy that would last for generations. In his family, there were traumas and patterns like alcoholism and abuse And at some point in his life, he made the choice to say, these things will not continue in this family anymore. They stop here. And as a result, him and my grandma raised my mom and her sister in a home where the cycles of alcoholism and abuse were broken. I share that story to say that no matter how messed up your past may be, no matter how broken your story may be, there is hope for you today. We serve a God who redeems and restores, church. Do you believe that? The patterns that have gone on in your family's past and the culture that you grew up in do not have to continue for generations to come. They can stop with you. Because we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us, empowering us to say no to patterns, to say no to scripts, to be healed from traumas so that we may pass on a better legacy for the generations to come. No matter what scripts, patterns, or traumas you may have had in your past, you can make a choice today to say no. It stops here. And this brings me to the idea that I want to land on this morning. We don't go back to go forward for no reason. We go back to go forward because what we do not transform, we will transmit. 
If we do not allow God to transform the stuff in our bag, the stuff in our background, we will transmit it to kids and to others around us in future generations. God does not want us to continue to pass on a legacy of sinful patterns, a legacy of brokenness, a legacy of whatever else you may carry in your backpack. By the grace of God and by the power of God, you can be transformed so you do not transmit the same sins, scripts, patterns, and traumas to future generations. And that's the invitation for all of us today, church. I believe God is inviting us to choose transformation over transmission. When you take a look in your backpack, no matter how scary it may be, we believe in this church down to the bottom of our souls, you can experience the healing of God not just for yourself, but for generations to come. Now, with that said, I know it's not easy or quick work to do this. I know it can be painful and it can take patience and time to work through things, to work through patterns that have gone on for generations that are deeply ingrained in us, to work through scripts that we've been handed, to work through traumas from our past. So let me give you a couple of quick encouragements as you take this journey. First, admit what you find and repent of it. If there are things that you see in your own life that you know have been going on for generations, repentance is the biblical word of turning from going that way and turning the other direction. We say no more to the patterns, to the scripts, to the traumas that have been handed to us, and we say we're going to turn and go a different direction. Now, it might feel disrespectful to find things from your family or your past that you need to work through. The point of this journey is not to shame or to dishonor your parents or relatives or people who've cared for you and formed you, but it's to be honest about it so that you can experience healing and God's grace in those places. You may feel like digging into the past is not honoring of those who've gone before you, but let me encourage you with the words of Dr. Rob Reimer today the most honorable thing you can do is break your family's sin patterns. It brings no honor for your, to your family if you repeat their sinful behaviors. We can think it's dishonoring to look into our past, to look into our family, and to point out the things, not necessarily to them, but to ourselves that have shaped us and molded us in painful ways. But what is more dishonoring than that is continuing in those same sinful behaviors and patterns for generations to come. The first step is admitting what you find and turning away from that path. The second encouragement for you today is get help. If there are significant things from your past, maybe when I use the word trauma today, something specific came to your mind because you have a wound or something from your family that has deeply scarred you or something from your growing up that has deeply scarred you. I know that this is painful and heavy for many people. But let me encourage you today. There are godly Christian counselors in this city who are trained to walk with you through those traumas. Trained to walk with you and work through the things from your past so that they don't have to define you moving forward. For all of us today, I would encourage you, as you're working through things in your past and unpacking your bag, find someone that you trust, like a spouse or a friend, for them to pray for you and to remind you of truth when you need it. That is one of the reasons why we are in Christian community is because on our own, when we're isolated, we don't always remember the truth. We need people around us to point us to the truth in our lives. We need people there to walk with us, to journey with us, and who can speak words of truth when we need them and to pray for us along this journey of healing. The final encouragement I'll leave you with this morning is to meditate on Scripture. 
When we see patterns and scripts that we have been handed that have caused us to live in ways and cause us to believe lies that are not aligned with God's word, we don't need to just uproot those lies. We need to replace them with the truth from God's word. It's not just about doing some digging and tearing things apart. It's about actually planting something more beautiful inside your heart and your mind. As we take the weeds out of our heart and of our mind, we plant something more beautiful. If your family has struggled with anger and rage for generations, meditate on the scripture that says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give the devil a foothold. If your family has struggled with worry and anxiety for generations and you are a worrier and you're someone who's anxious, meditate on that truth that you can cast your cares on him for he cares for you. So let me encourage you, if you're working through something, if you, from this message this morning in our time together, the Holy Spirit is pointing something specific in your heart, find a piece of God's word that you can meditate on that will help you to come back to the, that truth over the loud voice of your pattern or your script that you've been handed. Put it on a sticky note all over your house if you need to. Put it on a sticky note on your bathroom mirror, on your desk at work, when you wake up on your side table, wherever you need to be so that you can have that truth ingrained in your memory over the script or pattern that you have been given. Friends, we've all been shaped and formed by families and cultures that we grew up with. None of our pasts are perfect. If you look around this morning in this room, you might look and say, oh, that person's probably got it all together. I bet you they could tell a story from their past that would share you that's not the truth. We all have stuff in our past and we have to go back so that we can go forward so that we don't transmit that stuff to other people. We want this to be a church of transformation, a church that is known for people who love God and love others well. I won't speak for Pastor Sean, but I don't want this to be a church that's known for its pastors, known for me. I don't care. (laughs) It's not about the spotlight for us. It's about being a church who's known for being people who love well And part of that means that we have to transform the hurts, the patterns, the scripts, the stuff in our past so that we can be those people who love well and aren't hindered by the things in our bags. So church, let's go back so that we can go forward to be people who transformed by the grace and by the power of God in our stories. Are you with me? All right, let's pray this morning. Father, I know that this is not light stuff. I know this isn't easy, and I know for some of the people in our church community this morning who are hearing these words, there are immediate things that may have popped to mind. There are immediate stories or situations that have come up in their heads this morning as they're listening. And so today, God, I pray that as those things come up, that the voice of shame would not be the loudest thing in their story. That these things, as they're brought up in our lives and in our minds this morning, that we would silence that voice of shame, silence the voice of the enemy that wants us to stay stuck, that wants us to stay hindered there and listen to your voice that says we can come out into the light. We do not have to hide anymore. What is in the dark does not have to stay in the dark. And so God, I pray you would give us the courage, the boldness that we need to listen to your promptings, Holy Spirit, to listen to your words that bring out those things from our backpack, that bring out the emotional baggage that we carry around out into the light so it would free us to love you and to love others more fully, that it would no longer weigh us down or hinder us. And so God, this week, help us to pay attention to our emotions, help us to pay attention to our reactions to things and to listen to where you might be wanting to speak to us.
God, help us if we need help to not be too proud to ask for it, but in humility to ask for others, brothers and sisters in Christ, trained professionals if we need it, to walk with us towards this journey for healing, not just for ourselves, but for those that our lives come into contact with and for generations to come. Thank you, Lord, for the godly legacies that have been left by so many in this church. And may we be a church who continues to be transformed to love others like you loved us, Jesus. In your name we pray all these things. Amen. Well, thanks for being with us today, church community. And uh, if you're new to following Jesus or you're wondering about what this faith journey is all about, I encourage you to text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. And one of our pastors would love to be in touch with you, love to talk with you about what following Jesus is all about. Uh, If you're brand new this morning, I'd encourage you, go check out the Welcome Center. Pastor James is over there. He's looking great this morning, isn't he, church? Come on, you can't see past that big beard mask, but he's looking great this morning, so go say hi to him. And have a wonderful week, church. Let's go back in order to go forward so that we can love others well. Amen? All right, let's go, church.